Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the September 2016 CTSS quiz. We had 10 terrific cases, and let's see how you did. This is an interesting case. What's the best diagnosis? I'm showing you two 3D images, one in coronal plane uh, and one with uh, coronal MIP. What you can see in this lesion very quickly is the lesion somewhat vascular. Perhaps you're thinking about some sort of vascular lesion, maybe even a hemangioma. Maybe you're thinking about a pheochromocytoma. Maybe even you're thinking about a primary carcinoma. If you look at the image on your left in the upper portion of the lesion, you can see an area of fat. This was an adrenal myelolipoma. It's not the most classic example, perhaps, because there's not a lot of fat, but myelolipomas can have little bits of fat. There is some vascularity, so you could say, well, maybe this is a primary adrenal carcinoma, which occasionally contains fat. Uh, that's something I guess you can consider. The size of a lesion would probably tend more to a myelolipoma, but carcinomas can be small, particularly if they're syndromatic. So maybe you could consider that, but when you look at the entire display of the lesion. This was a myelolipoma, just a very nice example. This is a great case. I'm giving you two images. The first image shows a prominent vessel to the lesion in the left kidney, and the coronal image from delayed phase shows you the mass. It's very well defined. And if you look very carefully at the lesion, you can see some areas that are fat attenuation. And this was in renal angiomyolipoma. It's a great case. Remember, myolipomas uh, or angiomyolipomas of the kidneys uh, typically contain fat. And we always like to think of them as containing a lot of fat or being predominantly fat. They can be very minimal fat in select lesions. And sometimes angiomyolipomas are removed surgically because the diagnosis can't be made preoperatively. Now, this lesion has a prominent vessel, but remember the complication of renal angiomyolipomas is that they bleed. So this has prominent vessels, which also made you think about a neoplasm, but the fat puts you in the renal angiomyolipoma, and D is the correct answer. In this example, I ask you for the least likely diagnosis. What you see in the axial views and on the coronal view is a mass involving the region of the ligament of triates, involving some duodenum and some jejunum. It's a large ulcerating tumor. There's an area of blush, which means bleed. There's a liver metastasis present. My first guess would be a small bowel adenocarcinoma as the most likely diagnosis. Lymphoma could be because it's bulky. And adjust tumors can ulcerate, they can be extensive. This is not a metastatic renal cell because I see the kidneys. Okay, you can argue perhaps there's a mass in the lower or upper pole because you're not showing me the entire kidney. But usually renal cell carcinomas to uh, bowel are going to be hypervascular. This is hypovascular. My first guess would have been a small bowel adenocarcinoma. This was a gist tumor, but the least likely diagnosis is metastatic renal cell carcinoma. In this case, I asked you for the best diagnosis. You can see a mass. At first glance, you maybe think about a pancreatic mass, but the common duct and the pancreatic duct are okay. When you look at the axials and the coronal views, you see an infiltrating tumor in the second through fourth portion of the duodenum. You could consider lymphoma, though usually it's bulkier. 
Metastasis from renal cell is a consideration, but that's usually vascular. This differential extent of the tumor is very good for adenocarcinoma, and this was a small bowel adenocarcinoma, and duodenum is not an uncommon location. This patient has pelvic pain, and when you look at the images, particularly nicely shown in the coronal, is a series of complex cystic lesions with septations and maybe nodularity. And I will admit, this patient could have ovarian cancer, complex ovarian mass. It's definitely a possibility. If the patient had a known primary tumor, it could be a Krukenberg tumor. It could also be pelvic inflammatory disease, complex cystic lesions, but usually you see dilated tubes. So that would be less likely, but a possibility. This patient had pelvic pain, and what I was pushing you in this case was the fact that cystic pelvic masses are not always going to be malignancies. They can be benign lesions, ovarian cyst adenoma, but they can be endometriosis. And this patient had a history of persistent pelvic pain, and this was endometriosis. So it is one of the great mimickers, and I show this case to remind you to think about the possibility of endometriosis, even though it's not mentioned in the clinical history. In this case, I asked you what the least likely diagnosis is. If you look at these images, there's marked thickenings of the folds in the stomach, in the antrum, there's lobulations and ulcerations. If I look at this case, I'm saying gastric adenocarcinoma, could be lymphoma. The one thing this is not is normal. Okay, so the answer is A, normal gastric folds. That's the least likely diagnosis. Now, this could be gastritis, of course, but I would tend to favor malignancy because the folds are so thickened. Well, the fact was this patient had endoscopy and multiple biopsies, and this was H. pylori-induced gastritis. There was no evidence to suggest neoplasm in this case. Just a very nice example. Sometimes H. pylori and gastric adenocarcinoma are in the same patient. Remember, H. pylori infection leads to carcinoma. But this was simply inflammatory. Just a really, really nice example. This case is just a nice example, and that's why I threw it in here. This is not very tricky. I asked you for the best diagnosis, and what you see here is very impressive air in the wall of a small bowel. This is pneumatosis, but this is so extensive. It involves such a long segment of bowel. There's poor enhancement of the bowel. This is not benign pneumatosis, and this is not infectious enteritis, and this isn't even early ischemic bowel. This is infarcted bowel. I'm not even showing you the vessels in this patient. The SMA was occluded, but with lack of perfusion, decreased enhancement, and significant air, that's bowel infarction. The patient will have greater than 90% fatality in this case, even going to surgery. In this case, I ask you, what's the thickening and enhancement of the left renal pelvis and ureter? What's it due to? Well, normally I always think about transitional cell carcinoma. That's a likely possibility. TB, not so much. That usually gives you strictures and calcification. This is not a pseudo-enhancement because when you look at the coronal views, even the axial views, you can see how much thickening there is and then the prominent enhancement. In this case, we did not have a known tumor. Bladder looks good as we see it. 
this was infectious etiology. Now, I will admit, if you said this was due to tumor, I would have to give you credit. Now, if you had all of the images, and you can kind of see this a bit on the coronal view, there are calcifications present. And so when you see the calcifications, you see the enhancing renal pelvis and ureter, you better be thinking about an infectious etiology. But if you didn't see the stones, then TCC versus inflammation is indeed going to be the differential diagnosis. In this case, I asked you, based on the images, what statement is not true? Well, on the image on your left, what are you seeing besides the artifact from the clips and the gallbladder fossa? You're seeing very bright adrenal glands. That means the patient's hypotensive. You go to the image on your right, you see dilated bowel, poor enhancement, and then you look in the region of the rectum, you see a very bright blush. This patient has a GI bleed. So if you said the patient has a bleed in the sigmoid colon or rectum, you're right. If you say the patient's hypotensive, you're right. If you say the patient is an active bleed, you're right. The one thing that you're not right is saying this patient's managed conservatively. This patient is managed aggressively, GI bleeding. You need to stop the bleed and hopefully the patient will no longer be hypotensive. You need to give the patient blood. The whole management tree fits in here. But the one thing that this case you cannot do and the patient will not survive if you treat them conservatively with no aggressive management. So that's the answer. In this case, I asked you what's the most likely syndrome. Now, what you see in this patient is evidence of an aneurysm of the patient's celiac artery. Splenic artery is ectatic, but we see that commonly in middle-aged patients. Patient has an IVC filter. The renal arteries look okay. Abdominal aorta looks okay. Now, Marfan syndrome usually doesn't give you aneurysms of the mesenteric vessel, so I'll get rid of that one. Takayashu's gives you wall thickening of the vessels, and I don't see any wall thickening here. I'll get rid of that possibility. Lowy's Dietz theoretically is a possibility, though we see it usually in younger patients. And vascular elos danlos commonly gives mesenteric aneurysms, commonly gives multiple aneurysms in the same patient. So in a sense, in theory, I could show you a elos danlos vascular or a Lowy's Dietz, and both would have aneurysms of the celiac. But to tell you the truth, the most likely cause is going to be vascular Ehlers Danlos syndrome. Lowy's Dietz, the classic thing, aneurysms of the ascending aorta, but also tortuosity of the vessels, particularly the carotids and mesenteric vessels. There's no tortuosity in this case, and so the best answer is B. Well, those were 10 absolutely terrific cases. Hopefully, you got all the right answers. Most importantly, hopefully you learned something from looking at these cases. And with that, I'll thank you for your attention and see you next week. Check that. I'll see you next month. Bye.